Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. All right, welcome everybody to the Deepen Podcast with Pastor Joby Martin. We have got a fantastic conversation in store, I am sure. Let me start off by saying, Pastor Joby, this is a very important week. He has released number two book called Anything is Possible. Congratulations, Pastor Joby. Thank you. Why don't you uh, just talk a little bit about it just for a brief second and then introduce our special guests. Yeah, we'll do. Um, when I was writing the first book, I had this one in mind, right? Because if the tomb is empty, anything is possible. Mm-hmm. So book one travels up seven mountains that holds a tomb that can't hold a body. And if the tomb is empty, anything is possible. And so um, if God pulled off the greatest miracle of all time, mm-hmm. and he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and I don't see an expiration date on the work of the Holy Spirit in the scriptures, um, then you can believe God for whatever miracle you need. But really the point of the book is not about the miracles. It's like, if your miracle is not met, I want you to meet the miracle maker. Mm-hmm. That's what the whole book is about. Mm-hmm. So it's nine miracles that point to God's love for you. Mm-hmm. Hope everybody gets one. I love yes. it. You can buy them here at our campuses, or you can go to jobymartin.com yeah, that's and order cool. one, or anywhere books are sold. And we have two very special guests. I don't know what order to do this. <laughs> we'll do it in attractiveness, okay? <laughs> so, <clears throat> to my right here is literally one of the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life. I've known Rebecca Maxwell for a long, many, 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 many years uh, we met in a Bible study, we, and then our kids, our boys became like best buds, played sports all the way. They still play sports. Um, her husband's on staff, but the reason that we invited her to be here is not just because she's brilliant, but she's also a licensed family and marriage counselor. She's the primary person that we send people from 1122 mm-hmm. to. She's the best and the brightest, and literally, I'm just telling you, she is, and there are many people that say they are Christian counselors. Mm-hmm. She is helping people through a biblical worldview. Right. That that's not the same thing. You know what I mean? So that's why she's here. And because we're talking about our text talks about anxiety, and we wanted her here to help us. Mm-hmm. And then the less attractive, but also <laughs> wise, my dear friend Bruce Frank, his um, I don't know, man, like a big brother to me in ministry. Like I need when I need a pastor, I call Bruce. Mm. When I'm anxious about stuff, like family stuff happens, this is the dude I call and say, "Hey, man, I need to talk to you." Yeah. He's just a little bit older than me. His kids are grown, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's been, you know, he pastors a church, all those kind of things, and so he's the guy that I call mm. to just. And I know he prays for me, and and he's been here a few times. And man, tonight's message was so clear and so compelling and mm. so on point. And uh, I mean, I don't know what the response is at Biltmore every week, but we were six rows deep in people praying and had to, we mm-hmm. had to just keep singing and singing and singing because, mm-hmm. I mean, people got some stuff, man. And yeah. uh, you just you just unpack God's word so clearly tonight for us. So thank you for that. Yeah, it struck a chord for sure. Thank you. It was amazing. Pastor Bruce, why don't you just tell us real quick about yourself, maybe your family, your church. Um, up in, uh, I said Western North Carolina, but it's Asheville. So I know everybody's like, keep Asheville weird. So uh, we're, up, <laughs> we're up there in the beautiful mountains uh, of Western North Carolina. We've been there coming up on 15 years. 
moved there from Houston. My wife's name is Lori. Um, she's a better better half for sure. Um, we've got two boys, uh, Connor and Tyler. I mentioned them tonight. Um, we're dog people, not cat people. So uh, other than that, I came to Christ kind of let my wife grow up in a, as a minister of music's daughter. Okay. So she, with all of that, um, and then I came to Christ late through a basketball coach, really through brothers, but a basketball coach. So I was kind of late to the game, but, but as a senior in high school, came to Christ. So, mm-hmm. um, and a pastor of great church, honestly. it's We've been super blessed. Um, and relationship with Joe being 1122 has been super edifying in a mm-hmm. hundred different ways. Uh, and I made it. I made the joke that actually happened with the altar or with yeah. the the kneeling bench. I was like, man, our people, we gotta we gotta have a tutorial <laughs> yeah. or send out a send out a video on it. But anyway, he's yeah. it's, uh, I, I I a lot of mutual uh, have a lot of love and respect for Joby and and what God's done here at eleven twenty two. Yeah. It's fun to it's fun to watch. Yeah, amen. Well, we're glad you're here tonight. Um, well, we're gonna get into it um, talking about. Anxiety. Talking about this text from Philippians four. Why don't we get get a little personal to start off? What Rebecca's very used to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very comfortable. Dive in. Ask what, the questions. Uh, what makes you anxious? I'm not a very anxious person. I'm really not. Um, if I got just a couple of things lined up, it's me and G are cool, and the kids are okay. M- Almost anything can come after me, mm. and I'm pretty good to go, you know? Um, so I don't have this kind of, like, underlying kind of thing. But, man, like, when I say there's no pain like kid pain, you let something get a little wonky with my kids or let me and Gretchen get out of step, and then it's like this no matter what little thing that doesn't even make sense can, like, redline me in stress and anxiety. Mm. I don't know if that's normal or if I'm codependent or I don't know what my problem is, but I literally (laughs) get like free counseling from Rebecca. She's also my neighbor. So (laughs) that's normal. Yeah, it can present in anger when there's a buildup of stress and anxiety, right? Like the golf club. (laughs) I heard a story one time of a guy who was so mad playing golf that he went over and tried to hit a tree with the golf club and it broke in the middle and came back and hit him oh, right in the chest and he had a heart attack and died. I've I I have heard that story. I have heard that story. <laughs> I, was, I, was I wasn't thinking about that. that, that story. Like I got hit there. in the face. <laughs> so since Britt's not here, let's talk about him and golf and anxiety and stress. <laughs> <laughs> the first time ever, I think I took him. I want to say we were playing at Sawgrass, and uh, and he's very serious about golf and he's pretty good, but nobody's ever as good as they want to be if they're serious about it. And um, I think we're we're coming into like 18, and he's doing really well. And he like shanks one in the water, duffs one in the water again, and he gets so mad, he slams his club, his driver, on the ground, and the the head of the driver breaks in some kind of like tension release and flies further than any of his drives did. <laughs> and now he's, now he's really mad. I laugh. I just so God bless Pastor. <laughs> That's why we didn't let him on this. Oh, We're yeah. hoping he'll just listen as a participant. <laughs> uh, what about you, Pastor Bruce? Does anything often make you anxious? No, I mean, kind of same. I mean, it, and it's, it's changed over the years. You know, if you, when you're super young, it's church stuff and all this. And church stuff kind of every once in a while. We got a real healthy church, too. Got a great team. So there's stuff that flares up, but it mm-hmm. typically is not the kind that mm-hmm. is if, if Lori's good and kids are good and... We got a little two-year-old granddaughter. She's good. 
I mean, it's 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 there's not a whole lot, but yeah. you know, not yeah. that not that sits there, other than what I mentioned tonight, right? I like being prepared. So being unprepared, I'm in Enneagram 3. So when I'm unprepared, you can see all my copious mm-hmm. notes here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes me a little bit anxious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do feel a pressure for preaching every week. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Anxious is, I don't think that's the word, but there's, there is like a weightiness to it or a, a, for sure. a seriousness of the potential outcome of people's lives, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I, it's a very serious thing. And the benefit in that situation is that it helps you focus and it mm-hmm. helps you perform. So anxiety can be right. really helpful in small doses. Right, Rebecca, why don't, I was just going to say, why yeah. don't you walk us through some ways to understand anxiety? Like what, what are we talking about when we use that word? Um, I've heard it described kind of like, I mean, you're, men- you're mentioning kind of like adrenaline, like an adrenaline rush. Yeah. And it's, that's usually at the presence of something that you're preparing to do or fight or flight, so run from maybe. Um, but the problem with anxiety, maybe I'm answering your question for you, I'm trying not to, but it's that that rush is too, goes on too long and the th- the threats are maybe real or perceived. But, but tell us a little bit about what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah, so um, Pastor Bruce talked about kind of our emotions as a dashboard, and that's mm-hmm. a great way to think of even anxiety. You know, anxiety tells us that we should be paying attention to something. Maybe we need to focus. Maybe there's the weightiness of something we're going to do. Maybe there's danger. Mm-hmm. You know, our, the part of our brain that controls emotion is meant to alert us to danger over all things. Our brain's main mm-hmm. function is to keep us safe emotionally, physically, mm-hmm. spiritually, and otherwise. And so when anxiety is present, we should we should pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. And normal amounts of anxiety, like I said, are, you know, everyday anxiety, stuff with our kids or, you know, um, speaking on a podcast or things like that, like that's all normal. And then when anxiety gets out of that normal range, it, it lasts a long time. It, we have a hard time regulating our emotion or bringing that anxiety down, uh, a hard time releasing the burdens, like, like Pastor Bruce said. And so prolonged fight or flight can cause all kinds of problems, mm-hmm. physically, spiritually, relationally. Um, I work with a lot of couples, and so there's sometimes there's a lot of anxiety in one or both of the partners, and that can cause a relational breakdown as well. So it's it's one of those things that it's it's very purposeful, and I think God wired us that way to have this experience. But if we don't know how to manage stress well, stress can lead to prolonged anxiety, mm-hmm. which can have really bad effects on mm-hmm. many things in our lives. So is anxiety kind of that intersection of the physical and emotional is, is that what we're describing kind of like it's that it's the way those things combine because it does have physical effects yeah absolutely and we feel it mm-hmm. right so it does have a physical manifestation in our body mm-hmm. you know if i ask pastor joby what does he feel in his body when he gets ready to go and preach he probably has you know maybe a fluttering heart or a, a drop in his stomach he has something that is a physical alert mm-hmm. to that anxiety and over over time can you imagine if 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 you have unchecked or prolonged anxiety and it's located in your stomach well now over a long period of time, we have gastrointestinal issues and all those sorts of things. But it mm-hmm. is that intersect of physical and emotional and and also um, our thought life, our mind, which is a lot of what we talked about tonight. Mm-hmm. And so that gives us some handles into how to manage it. We can manage it 
Um, we can manage it by renewing our mind, but we can also do some things physically to manage manage those symptoms. So, yeah, you, yeah you're right on track. Pastor Joby, we did a <clears throat> discipleship journey through looking at the Shema. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like love the Lord your God with all your Jesus heart, soul, that. heart, soul, mind, and strength. It, well, well, I was going to ask you, like, how do you pastor people through being mm-hmm. what she might call a psychosomatic being, but like mm-hmm. being heart, soul, mind, and strength and addressing what she's talking about in that way, you know? Well, the Shema points to that we are integrated psychosomatic beings Mm -hmm. as image bearers of God. So that means um, you're not like a body with a soul. You are a a body and a soul Mm -hmm. and a mind. And all these things are like one thing Mm -hmm. integrated together. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, one of the, the geniuses of Jesus pointing to the Shema as the greatest commandment it is like the ultimate health check on you because then he's going to say the second commandment is like the first one, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I, in fact, I'm mentoring a guy right now. He's 36 years old. He's got a growing ministry and he asked me to mentor him. And so the, and I'm like, dude, I don't have sessions. I don't have a, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but here's a thing that I've done in my life since I was in college. I just write down heart, soul, mind, and strength you know, relationally, physically, mentally, spiritually, how am I doing? Grade myself ABF. In my world, there's no Cs and Ds. You're either crushing it, (laughs) it's going good, but there's some things I could tweak or mayday, okay? Mm -hmm. How are you doing? Mm -hmm. Because all of us know people that like physically are in in phenomenal shape, but they don't know Jesus and the relationships are terrible. Mm -hmm. They're not doing well. Mm -hmm. But we, especially at church, we know people who... Like, they love Jesus, know all the Bible verses, sweet as pie, but they're not being good stewards of their physical self, and they're not doing good either. Mm-hmm. It might take a little while for that to catch up with them, but that's very, very important. And I, I also think it's, it's – I love when the – I love to let the Bible interpret itself, you know? There's one verse about Jesus from age 12 to 30, mm-hmm. and it's he grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. Mm-hmm. He grew in – mentally, physically, spiritually, and relationally. Mm-hmm. That, in other words, from age 12 to 30, all Jesus did was live out what later he's going to say is the greatest commandment. Mm-hmm. And so he is like the most healthy man who has ever lived, and it's because he had all of the, he was he was loving God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm, that's so good. Wow. Pastor Bruce, you, when you're talking about this text, you said that uh, God does something in us in our vertical relationship with him and that that should affect our horizontal relationships. You know, how, how have you seen horizontal conflict affect your vertical relationships? Oh, I mean, I think any preacher that has an argument with his wife on Saturday night is going to stink <laughs> in the pulpit on Sunday. I mean, that's the, I mean, it is nothing. It's been a long time since that has happened where it's like, Man, I mean, that's, but that's the worst feeling because you just know it's like, man, I I can't even pray and ask God to give me any grace on this because He's already told me what to do, mm-hmm. and so that's I mean that's normal. You you also see, you know, just brothers who know the Bible left and right, but they're just all you got to do is go on Twitter and you're like, how can you act that way and be a you know? And so you know for sure you're uh, and both you know it should change it. I know that. I know one of the first, when I got saved at 17, I drove out of the parking lot in Wichita Falls, Texas. Drove out of the parking lot, and I had such animosity toward my three Christian brothers, and it was gone immediately. I remember driving out of the parking lot in the first 
thing that I could recognize, something had just changed, was actually all that spite because I was kind of making fun of them because they were Christians and mm-hmm. thought I was having a great time and they're home on Saturday drinking milk and all this stuff. And so I thought it was gone, all the angst against them. And so I look back at that thinking, I mean, that happened supernaturally. I didn't even know what was going on, but that was the first evidence that anything had gone on in my life way before I knew John 3.16 or anything. Yeah. Um, and so you can see it throughout the Bible, horizontal effects, vertical um you know, forgiven people, forgive people, you know, love people, right. love people. And even you know, with first commandment, love God, what goes right back, second commandment, love your neighbor. Uh, first four commandments, love God, or all about God. Next six, about loving each other. So anyway, that's where, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times Christians ignore the, the that part. And it hinders, yeah. it hinders yeah. a lot. And it hinders, we get the blessing of being in a couple of great churches that don't have a lot of, you know, I mean, you have a little bit, but I'm just saying you don't have, we don't deal with it, but you look at our, a lot of our friends, you're like, dude, how in the world do Bro, you even deal with that I stuff? I hear war stories. Oh, war stories. Yeah. I mean, the longest business meeting I've ever been a part of in 20 years is 15 minutes. But these, some of these guys that, I mean, no, it's like two-hour battle station every month. I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's, so it's hard. You hear it, but you yeah. know, and anyway, you feel for them. Yeah. You mentioned... Um, Quoted from Paul in Romans when he says, as far as it depends on you, you know, so sometimes it's outside of our control, right? So, Rebecca, how does that relate to this wonderful thing that I love to talk about, especially with you, about boundaries, you know? Mm-hmm. So, how do you how do you know how to say, okay, I've done what I can do as far as it depends on me to be at peace with somebody else? Yeah. I think that we have to recognize what is in our control and what is outside of our control, um, generally, God is in control of everything, but we do have the ability of t- making choices, mm-hmm. and we can choose how to how to engage with people. We can choose whether we're not we're going to be reasonable. We can mm-hmm. choose to work on our own emotion and regulate that so that we don't, like Pastor Bruce was saying, blow up and mm-hmm. overreact at times. And um, I think you know boundaries are are such an important part especially for the christian of knowing where where we where we stop and someone else begins what mm-hmm. is our responsibility and what is someone else's we can only do what we can do and a big part of what we can do is prayer so even if we are going and and trying to reconcile and extend forgiveness if that other person isn't receiving it we still have something that we can do there which is continue to pray for them and pray for mm-hmm. healing. Mm-hmm. And I think those are important things to remember. Mm. Yeah, it, it, like in a, it was some in the line in there, a lot of times people don't distinguish between forgiveness and reconciliation too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is forgiveness you can give unilaterally. Right. And it's for the glory of God and for the good of your own soul. But reconciliation takes two. And right. so usually when we're talking about forgiveness, it doesn't mean some things. It doesn't mean you trust them necessarily. doesn't mean that you don't have boundaries. Right. It doesn't mean that. So a lot of times that's that was helpful. It's like, all right, um, as far as it is for you, because sometimes you can't. I mean, if they won't own their sin or whatever, you, you're not going to... Or like an abusive situation. Certainly. I mean, yeah. there are times like sure. that where... Yeah. There, there, in that, when you were preaching, there, there's one thing that I just loved when you just said you cannot control your future, and then you were talking about you can't control your health future, your finance future, your family future, you cannot control your future, and I thought, okay. But then when you, you said, but if you're only focused on what you can't control, you won't ever do the things you can be in control of. Right. Yeah. Like, since you cannot control your health, 
if you get so worried about that, then it will paralyze you from doing the things you can do, like eat and sleep enough and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. That was so good. And then the other thing that this convicted me, when, when you were talking about resolve conflict, but then later in prayer when you were talking about how we are to pray, that because of the tense of the verb, that means you never give up praying about this thing until God tells you mm. you can be done with that. Well, as I began to reflect on the resolving conflict thing, there's a relationship I had, a very good friendship that has dissolved, I don't know why, and for X amount of time, like I called, I tried, I tried, and then I got to the point where I was like, all right, man, I've done it. But tonight, I was like, have you? Mm. Like you could, you should, until you're told, either by that person or God, okay, you can stop now. Mm-hmm. Like I don't get to give myself a pass because of what I did in the past. Mm-hmm. I need to continue to pursue reconciliation as far as it's up to me. And, you know, I have have enough time every week to at least make one phone call a week. Even if it doesn't get answered, I could call. Or You know what I mean? So it was very convicting to me in regards to that. Yeah, Yeah, sometimes we're just content to leave it at a, a very minimal effort, you know, well, I think, you know, another thing you said, you said so many tweetable things. I don't tweet so, but um, everybody checks off their sanctification boxes in different orders. Yeah, that was so good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I think a lot of times as Christians, like we know enough verses yeah. to be like, I am supposed to pursue reconciliation. Mm-hmm. So you reach out kind of half a once. <laughs> did, all right, did it. Like, I'm done now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, that is not what the Scripture is talking about when it says pursue re- reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a note to because that line, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, the way that that's translated differently in different versions, has always kind of been like, well, I don't really get that. But the way that you connected it to the, totally. the conflict that was going on, I was just like, bing. Me, there comes a I've light always on. connected it because of the way they put the numbers in here. They uh-huh. got the numbers wrong, man. Whoever did that, that's not the inspired infallible part, just True. for those of you listening. Because the like the good quotable verse starts right, right after that, right. you know? So, I, yeah, I never tied it to the conflict. That's Agree in the Lord and rejoice in the Lord. Right. That little pairing to the appointed out was, it made me think, okay, yeah, I think he is talking about these two. And then... Show everyone that you can be reasonable with each other, demonstrating that the Lord is in your midst, basically. Like, what a what an amazing the, way to look at it. The NIV that. translates it gentleness, mm-hmm. which also, in that context, makes the exact same sense. Mm-hmm. Like, while you're not getting along, can you just be gentle? Like, quit roughing each other up? Yeah. Yeah. Or can you quit being unreasonable yeah. towards one another? Mm. And the way you described it was really unique to me in that you really talked about not blowing your top, not not escalating to the point where you're saying horrible things. This is how I'm translating what you said, saying horrible things to one another and mm. going out of control yeah. um, because that, I believe, hurts our, our witness when we do that and sure. hurts the unity of the body. And that was just... And, and recognizing, too, um, we didn't necessarily focus on this, but recognizing that the Lord is at hand, I think that is a big piece of this as well. The Lord is here in our midst. The Lord is mm. living inside of me right. um, 
and I think all those are those were just really illuminated tonight. So something H.B. Charles, he was here several weeks ago, he preached Philippians 2. <clears throat> One of the things that he says that I think applies here a lot is there are some assumptions that Philippians makes upon its readers. Mm-hmm. It is just assumed that you are in the life of the church doing life together. Mm-hmm. Well, you see that played out here because what I'm as the lead pastor of this place, I have several times see people in our church that can't get along. Mm-hmm. Right. And from my outside perspective, like Paul is here, you look at it and be like, this is silly. Y'all are being unreasonable. Mm-hmm. We should be able to reconcile this in about one second. You believe mm-hmm. in the same God. You're on the same team. Mm-hmm. Both, everybody's name's in the book of life here, okay? Yes. We got bigger fish to fry. The assumption here is yeah. that when you are in a community of faith, sometimes you need some people outside of the two of you duking it out. Mm-hmm. This is why, by the way, Rebecca has a job because sometimes— <laughs> You need somebody to point out your unreasonableness Mm -hmm. and help you be reasonable with one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. And I loved that you also, Pastor Bruce, talked about, hey, there's preferences, and those aren't the same things as like the biblical mandates or biblical convictions, Mm -hmm. and we need to learn to separate what's the big issue and what's the small issue, you know, because the big issue is like, we got to deal with this, but then a small issue is like, that's a little bit, that's a little bit different. And we've all been at this a minute, so can you think of something that maybe at one point was something that you were wanting to go to the mat over, but then later you're like, I think maybe that's a preference. Like how have you matured to see certain things as preferences that you've laid down? I'm a recovering legalist, even though I came to Christ <laughs> late. I mean, I, I trend toward, especially early years was, uh, I mean, golly. I mean, early years, I remember uh, my my older brother, this is kind of embarrassing, but my older brother who was very uh, strong believer he prayed for me, he shared the gospel with me numerous times. He was the first of our family to get him to Christ, and then my younger brother. So he's like super strong. And I remember as a, a fairly new believer, probably I might have been in seminary or something like that. I remember at a restaurant with him in Tulsa, and he ordered a glass of wine. And I was just judging him up and down. I was just like, you know, I mean, that's all those verses, all those verses, the one verse that's like, don't look at wine when it's red and how that's, I was like, I'm just telling you, I was like judging him. I was just judging him. And now it's like, bring me an old fashioned. So, uh, so I get, but early on that was, I mean, I literally was kind of like, dude, if you really love Jesus and I was going to the mat over, obviously something that's, you know, so that was early on, uh, more than progress of you know, yes. gone yes. the opposite way. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's one and kind of the thing that's always been helpful to me is, hey, what do they say? They say a fundamentalist thinks everything's a major issue. Everything's a major issue. There is no minor issue. Somebody who's liberal theologically thinks there are no major issues, mm-hmm. and so those are the two ditches that you fall in. Um, I was listening to what, what was that Scottish proverb you mentioned a few weeks ago? Yeah, for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch. Oh, I put that. I was like, I got to put that in my phone. Um, that's great. But the two ditches we fall in, you know, you fall yeah. into are, you talk about uh, legalism and, and uh, uh, licentiousness, but it's really, you know, you, fundamentalism and and liberalism, they, you know, fundamentalism, like everything, everything's a major issue. Mm-hmm. Everything's, I mean, just again, go on, go on SBC Twitter, everything, you know, you see everything's, everything's, uh-huh. everything's, but over here you know, is another ditch and it's like, well, there's no major, there are major issues. There are major Jesus doctrine read issues. the King James Bible. <laughs> yeah, bro, yeah, yeah, there's, it's, anyway, it's, it's good. Yeah. Uh, anything come to mind for you, pre- uh, preference? Um, some that I can fall into today are like uh, worship t- style or expressiveness in worship, you know, mm-hmm. I can get super judgy 
if, if you're more of a stoic kind of person, you know, I'm like, what's wrong with you, man? Mm. Bust the alabaster jar and let's go, right? Mm-hmm. Dance. And, right. and so I got to watch things like that. Now, I do think my job as a pastor here mm-hmm. is to move a flock from one destination to another. So, mm-hmm. so you've got to like gently do that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then not get hung up on, you just got to work really, really hard to distinguish between the precepts of God and your own preferences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think I've heard you describe it before. There are certain things you hold with an open hand and yeah. certain things you hold with a closed hand. My right. favorite illustration for the like what's important what is not is determine what are national boundaries and state boundaries mm. so like florida and alabama are different states so there's some things you can differ on like church to church person to person things mm-hmm. like can you have a drink or not have a drink mm-hmm. you know baptism would be a thing that i believe very very deeply on with immersion and you know after conversion believers baptism by immersion i think but would happily join hand in hand with all the presbys to reach people for Christ. So, because we're in the same kingdom, we're in the same country. They're just Alabama, or they're probably like, you know, Cincinnati, Ohio or something, (laughs) but whatever. And yeah. The Holy Land. Um, But then there are, you know, people that talk about pretty much when it it gets to like salvation or the authority of the word of God would be the first two to come to mind. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, no, you're not in my country. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe the word of God, you don't believe the sufficiency of Christ on the cross for salvation, mm-hmm. you're in a different country. Mm-hmm. We are not on the same team. Yeah. yeah. Other examples might be different political viewpoints, different um, views on the end times or views on spiritual gifts or roles of men and women. Like there's lots of room for differences there uh, as long as we agree on those things that you're talking about. Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebecca, speaking of like the, the fact that everybody's a little bit different, uh, we live in a culture right now, and you mentioned some of this, that there's a cultural outbreak, if you will, of, of anxiety, and that the, the fact that these verses on anxiety are the most downloaded from the, from the internet, from you version over the past couple of years. So what is happening right now culturally, and what are some of the causes when it, when it comes to this outbreak of anxiety. I mean, we saw so many people touched by the words that you shared tonight. They're just coming to the altar praying, seeking the Lord. So it, it struck a chord with the people who were here, you know? And I know that that's just a, a small sample size of what's going on in the broader culture. Yeah, well, I think it goes hand in hand with how the message was preached tonight. The idea of resolving relationships, resolving conflict in relationships and unity. And what we see in our culture is a lot of isolation. Mm. So people are moving away from each other. They're getting more polarized. Even when I look at different statistics and things like that, I mean, I, I, I do have con- great concern for our kids, but all of us honestly are a little bit more isolated. Mm-hmm. The COVID pandemic just, you know, exacerbated the problem that was already on the way. And mm-hmm. so the more isolated we get, we, you know, we're, we're texting instead of calling. We are, you know, FaceTiming instead of being in person. We're not making that effort to, I mean, I think about even, you know, how you, I mean, we're neighbors and I, I rarely just go and knock on his door, you know, and we just, we just don't do that as much mm-hmm. as we used to, mm-hmm. you know, doors are locked and, and, and cameras are up and we 
communicate through phones and we communicate mm-hmm. through um, videos on you know, social media. And so the isolation is really a problem. We are not meant to be that way. Mm-hmm. And so the anxiety um, of being alone and not being in that present, there's, there's something that I, I think back to how Adam was created and God breathed the Ruah of life into him and he went face to face with him. Mm-hmm. We are meant to go face to face with each other. And then it wasn't good for Adam to be alone and Eve was created. Mm-hmm. We're meant to have a face to face relationship. We're meant to um, touch and hug and mm-hmm. look into one another's eyes. There's, I don't know what the biblical word is for this, but there is an energy. I mean, even as we're sitting here, you know, together, like there's an energy that's happening here mm-hmm. that's an intangible thing. Maybe you can help me with like what the biblical word is, but, but that is is so important. And when we don't have that, something's not right on the inside. And I would say that is likely anxiety. Well, and I'm sure you've seen it coming. I mean, it was already probably hitting that way. I was looking at stats this week. Millennials have the most issues with anxiety, at least from the stats I saw. But going into COVID, you had the tribalism and, you know, with the doom scrolling and, you know, 24 hours, like everything you see is bad. So you're getting more and more anxious. And then you throw in the pandemic where you got, uh, you know, the kids are away. I mean, you see the scholastic stuff that's done that. But I mean, I would say any pastor knows coming at, even though it's been over for some time, the, the, the residual effect is still there. Marriages have gotten really, if you went into, my thing was, if you went into COVID, healthy, you still got strained. If you went into COVID unhealthy, whether it be as a person or a church or marriage, you got slammed. Absolutely. I mean, you got slammed because you you had to have so much reservoir to make it through anywhere near healthy. I mean, you got churches closing all over the place in Western North Carolina. You got all this stuff. And, but you got marriage, you got habits that when guys got isolated or people got isolated and all of a sudden they're, right. hey, I get to stay at home and I'm supposed to be working, you know, on my computer. But then you just go off in the ditch and get in the dark world. It it right. it's like, it just seemed like it went up 10 times yeah. on 100 different levels with just all that went with it, the isolation, the quarantine, the stress, the financial stuff. I mean, I've just, I, we have Absolutely. the counselors that we work with. I mean, like the one, the main, the main group we work with, they, some of their counselors are like a year and a half out yeah. before they can get a count. I'm like, well, a year and a half, yeah. it's already, and they're adding staff all the quick as they can, but a year right. and a half to get an appointment? Yeah. I was like, well. I remember when, when Rebecca was going to finally leave. So she was on this career path to be what she is now. Our our families get very, very extra close. This like family kind of our families are with one another. I come to her and say, I need you to put pause on your career path and come be our children's minister because I need a grown mama running this thing. I can't have kids running this thing. I need a mama. When other mamas drop off their babies, they can look in the eye of a real mom (laughs) and I need that trust level. Okay, so Mm -hmm. she hits pause on all that for many years. A couple years, yeah. Gets it all going and then... And then when she gets ready to get back and, you know, like start her own practice and all that, she was so nervous that people wouldn't show up. And I was like, I think you're going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Think about now how silly that. It's silly. Now I can't, I can't find people fast enough. If you clone yourself a hundred times, you would be full. Okay. You asked, you were talking about the, what it was like the biblical vocabulary for what you're talking about. Well, there are 59 one another's in the New Testament. 
And they're almost all like in-person, physical touch, kind of like love one another, hug one another, greet one another with a holy kiss, forgive one another. All of these things require you to be in in community. You can't one another one another without one another. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's talking about like the Corinthians church is a, I mean, you want to talk about some, (laughs) some, being jacked up. They're fighting, yada, yada. So then he, he gives this example, this illustration of one body with many parts. Like Jesus is the head, we're all the body. He talks about all the different body parts and even the division among the body parts. Like the eye is jealous of the ear, okay, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, in your actual physical body, when body parts rub together, they create fiction or like an engine when when – you know the piston rubs together on the valve. It creates it creates heat from the friction, and if you do that long enough, it will break down. So any humans together too much, <laughs> yeah. the sinfulness among us will break it down. Well, then the next chapter you get on love. Mm-hmm. So love in the body of Christ is like the motor oil that keeps the thing going mm-hmm. from tearing up. Mm-hmm. And so this is what you're talking about. You got to be together. I know it's hard. But the reason that we're called to love one another is to keep this thing moving. And then when when you get there, and then he then he talks particularly about how to use your gifts in conjunction with other people's gifts for the glory of God and the edification of the body. Right. That happens with things like hugs and how are you doing and looking in people's eyes and right. physical you know, presence. Those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things when we both did student ministry together too. And uh, I can't even imagine trying to do this today. All right, so God bless all of our people that work with our <laughs> right, right. children. One, we we would talk about appropriate positive touch when I used to train youth workers all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you know why all your boys in your group want to roughhouse with you? Because mm-hmm. they were designed for it. Right. You know that like the appropriate side hug, high five, fist bump, those kind of things. Man, people are dying like physically dying without mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you guys all expressed that when you, what makes you anxious is the relational stuff, when your relationships mm. aren't good, right? So when we're disconnected somehow, whether it's conflict or mm-hmm. distance or disunity, you know, that out of anything, I think, I say being unprepared, but if I'm really being honest, when my relationship with one of my sons is off Mm -hmm. or my husband or a friend, right, I feel so much anxiety inside Mm -hmm. over that. And that, of course, is a a dashboard, a a light on the dashboard that something is gone horribly wrong Mm -hmm. because we're meant to be connected like that. Yeah, so so the opposite of that is true, too. There have been a few times in my ministry where there's been some group of people that have come after me pretty hard. You know what I mean? Um, I felt like we've been spared a lot, especially like the size church we are and all that. Mm-hmm. But there are times. I mean, we had picketers or got somebody online doing basically like a campaign against me or us or whatever. All right. So that's not awesome. It's not like that doesn't bother me at all. But the the cure for sure is my relationship with Jesus. I got to remind myself who I am in him, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But like the tangible cure Mm-hmm. is when my f- church family rallies around yeah. and they're like, we got you, man. Mm-hmm. Don't believe that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. But when this crew is like, you know, puts hands on me, it's like, no, really, pastor, you got this. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that, mm-hmm. well, you know, I talk about it all the time. 
the, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Mm-hmm. The lion always devours the antelope that's not in the herd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because isolation is, is the enemy's, one of his favorite tools yeah. to take you out. What is, I've heard you talk about this, Rebecca, that, you know, we talked about isolation, polarization, making up words, loneliness, and that creates more fear and anxiety. Um, but our brains interpret separation as danger. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. so talk a little bit about that. Like, why is that? Like, if we become that antelope that's a little bit far back from the herd, things are going to start, our brain's going to go off like you're in danger. You don't have the thing that you need, even if you don't really recognize it consciously. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we are wired to be in relationship, like we were just talking about. It's, it's all over the scripture. And so our brain does go into danger mode when we're disconnected or separated. Mm-hmm. Um, however, Sometimes we get used to that, maybe based on how we were raised mm. or trauma. Mm. Um, if if we're hurt a lot, been hurt a lot in relationships, when we are separated, those danger cues may not go off like they should for most mm. people. So that's kind of a little bit of a variation on what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, we're wired for connection, and it's it's dangerous when we're disconnected. It's why we feel mm. it so so badly. But some of sometimes. Um, and, and some people think I'm better off by myself or I must be by myself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so there's some dysfunction there mm-hmm. um, that has to be um, addressed and can be healed. And that's the that's the great part about our Lord is that he's the healer. And I believe he's created our brains and our minds to mm-hmm. heal. And we heal in the context of relationship. Mm-hmm. We heal together with other people. And so there's a lot of neuroscience right now about that. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if, if I can tell you a quick story about an fMRI study, uh, I think will illustrate really well how God made us. Um, there was a there was a study that was done, um, and they put uh, they put the subjects into an fMRI machine, a functional MRI machine. So they were actively looking at their brain waves. And they were delivering a very low-grade shock to the ankle of the person and watching the brain light up, the pain centers of the brain light up. And then they did it again, and and the subjects were holding the hand of a stranger. And their brain pain centers lit up about the same as not holding the hand of anyone. And then the spouses of the subjects moved in and held their hand. And noticeably, the pain centers lit up much Mm. less and the subjects noted that the pain, the shock did not feel as strong. So to me, that's just, that's God writing all over us mm-hmm. about how we are meant to be together, to heal, to yeah. reduce pain and sadness and grief. We have to be mm-hmm. in community and in relationship mm-hmm. to function properly. Mm-hmm. That's that. That's convicting right there. How, how quick can I get in to see you? I'm just <laughs> a year and a half. A year and a half. That'll be about a year and a half. I'm toast by then. So. That's awesome. Like introvert, extrovert, does that even go into that? Because like an introvert needs that time, but is that part of a – and this is probably a different discussion. Is that like a – That's a good question. Is that well, like a wound? I think there's is a difference it, between solitude and isolation. Yeah. I think that's the difference. Well, introvert, extrovert, and he's your man on this, but um, introvert, extrovert. Introverts really get – filled up by being alone and having solitude. And extroverts feel filled up, am I speaking this correctly, by being with other people. So we all need people. I think there's maybe 
maybe doses of that. Like I love people. I see people all day long, but when I get home, I'm, I'm drained. I'm, I, I swing more introvert. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of the, the nuance of that. We all need people, but sometimes introverts think they don't. And that's a mistake. I've also heard it has to do with how you process and communicate. Like that's how I've always thought about introvert, extrovert is like what fills you up versus what drains you. But it also can refer to how you communicate. Like, do you tend to process more internally? And then therefore, when you deliver thoughts, they're more prepared and complete versus like, hey, I want to verbally process and I need somebody to to help me do that. Like, like maybe that's a way to think about the energy that you get from a person is that you're processing with them versus I need to process this on my own and then I'm going to come back to you and share it with you. I think it's important to make a distinction between solitude and isolation. Solitude is like purposefully and intentionally putting yourself in an environment with you and the Lord, you know, meditating upon the word, those kind of things. Jesus does it often. But you always, in rhythm, return to healthy relationships. Yes. Isolation is not, it's not intentional. It's not filling. It's, it's not like dependent upon the Lord. It's dependent upon me. Like I am the point of this and I have no intention of returning to those Mm, healthy relationships. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. It reminds me of something you were saying a minute ago about the person who doesn't really know that they're, they don't feel that anxiety of being alone. That person is probably isolated. Uh, And then maybe the person who doesn't want to get alone because they're afraid of their own thoughts, mm-hmm. yeah. right? I mean, you talked yeah. some about social media and the different. Sure. I mean, I, I was listening to a sermon actually on this very same text recently, and talking about how social media is designed to trigger the fear and anger parts of your brain because those are the most sticky in terms of like you're gonna yes. you're gonna go after that one, you're gonna click on that story if it makes you afraid or angry, and so. Uh, it, does fear of isolate or fear of being alone come into this conversation at all? Like, so we need that solitude. So, yeah. will the person who I don't know connect these dots for me a little bit? Like, the person who can't really be in solitude in a healthy way, how does yeah. anxiety play into that? Yeah, well, I th- I think that some people have some anxiety around being with others, a social anxiety, right? right. So, you know, we've been talking about anxiety in a ver- very general term, but we have some you know, maybe clinically diagnosable issues like like a social anxiety or an, an agoraphobia, which is like fear of crowds and fear of being with too many people. And so, and that's a, you know, I, I think that's a, a little bit of what you're talking about. Now, there can be a, a general aspect of that, but it can get really serious mm-hmm. as well. So, and maybe an irrational fear mm. of of showing up and being with people. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we can we can see, we can see anxiety on you know in in a million different ways on both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes and sometimes it doesn't even really make sense. Mm-hmm. I think that's what's really hard sometimes is you know so it makes it makes sense for us to feel anxious when we're disconnected from people, but there's there's sometimes where you're like this this doesn't make sense what else is going on here. So for the person listening who's thinking how do I know if what I'm experiencing is sort of your everyday I should pray about it or I need professional help. How do I, how do they know the difference? Yeah, I think when I mean one big telltale sign is when 
your level of anxiety. You are doing all of these healthy things that is prescribed here in Philippians 4. You are reminding yourself that the Lord is at hand. You are, you know, laying your burdens, you know, at the foot of the cross, releasing them to him. You are reconciling your conflict. You are working hard to renew your mind and fill your mind with all the things that are true mm-hmm. and honorable and just. You're doing all these things on a regular basis, like those point to habits, right? So it's yes. not just like, I'm going to do this today, like <laughs> Pastor Bruce was saying, and that's it. Like if you're doing this on a regular basis and you're still feeling a significant level of anxiety and you're having physical symptoms of anxiety mm-hmm. on, on a regular basis, when it starts impacting your sleep, when it maybe starts impacting your, your digestion or, you know, your ability to go out of your home, those are the times where you really need to seek some help and, mm-hmm. and really get, you know, see if you can get to the root cause of what's going on because there are a number of other medical reasons for anxiety. Mm. There's hormonal things, there are genetic mutations that have a a symptom of anxiety that come with them. And so good practitioners can help you kind of discover what else might be going on or at least rule out some things. Mm -hmm. And there are some really wonderful holistic treatments and, Mm. and sometimes People also need medication, mm-hmm. right? So Pastor Joey says. People, prayers, and pills. That's how right. God heals. <laughs> right? So there's a, there's, a lot to, there's a lot to try to discover, but when it starts to really impact your daily functioning and mm-hmm. your physical health, that's when you really need to, to see an expert. Mm-hmm. Pastor Bruce, you talked about like releasing the burden through prayer. How does that... How does that work? I mean, like, so what's the difference between somebody who has done that or hasn't done that, right? Like, if somebody says, yeah, yeah, I've said my prayers or whatever, but how does that actually bring the peace that they're looking for? How does that actually take the burden off their heart or mind and put it on to Jesus so they can actually experience his peace? Well, I mean, I think some of it, it's, it is a supernatural thing, but it comes yeah. down to, am I going to trust God with this or not? I think the key thing is, it's it, you can have a it's like crisis process crisis process there is a crisis time you saw like at the altar a lot of that was crisis whether that be you know they hadn't prayed with their spouse ever and that was like that so you go crisis but the process is important too because you don't want to go crisis to crisis to crisis crisis to crisis in your Christian walk there's mm-hmm. like definitive demarcation points that are crisis points and then the process like verse nine is like practice these things practice right. these things in other words habit so. Okay, hopefully from the night, if you hadn't prayed with your spouse, let's say for two years or you all were in conflict or whatever's going on, this was the start. And and, and, the, and Joby's prayer at the end uh, was was to that point. Okay, this let this be a jumping off point and put start putting some of the healthy habits in place. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to casting off, I mean, like take the, the one I mentioned at the end. I mean, that is certainly not a one-time thing. Right. There's a couple of crisis points, but I mean, that is a daily thing. Uh, there's not a day that goes by where that is not on my mind, not mm-hmm. a day. Um, and so sometimes that means like, all right, I've taken it back. It doesn't mean that it's not, you're not concerned about it. Uh, it doesn't mean you're not, you know, in a in a good sense, like, all right, what's going on right now? Uh, or, you're, you know, you, you start thinking, is the shoe going to drop? Whatever that, those things. And right. that's where the enemy does start to kind of whisper. It's like, this ain't ever going to change. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where you go back to, you got to replace it with some, I don't care. I'm going to believe. And that's why some verses come into mind. Ephesians mm-hmm. 1 comes into mind. You know, he's able to do more than I could ever think or imagine. So those things, God takes that and then applies it to your personal thing. So that's why I said it's a kind of a casting off and a picking up. Yes. You got to cast it off. 
and then pick it up, cast it off and pick it up. And it's uh, how it works. I don't know, but it comes down to, am I going to trust God? Do I believe he has, do I believe he's sovereign, that he cares for me, he loves me? Again, what Pastor Joby said at the end, you don't judge it based on your circumstances. You go back, I know he loves me because of the cross. Mm-hmm. I know he cares for me because of the cross. You know, and you, could, and you, but it goes back to, because you can get in a ditch. Uh, if there's something, if it's super important to you, I mean, Joby mentioned preaching. And we, so we both take it real seriously. I, I actually got anxious a little bit this week for this reason a few months ago when they're like, can you do Philippians 4? It's like, sure. I, I did Philippians during COVID. It's like, this week, I'll get a lot of administrative stuff done. I'll go grab the file, spend three hours kind of looking over it a little bit. And then Monday, I go in there. And I was like, crud, that was the week the campus pastors preached <laughs> when we went through it. So I was like, I was like, where's my Philippians 4, 1 to 9 file? I was like, it's not there. I did. I had one back from 2011, which was lame. I looked at it. I was like, I got nothing here. It, it, I mean, it, so it was like reworked the whole thing. But that was a lot of stuff I needed as well. I was like, oh, wow. This was great. Well, it was fresh. The, the week, so the week got redone, but it was like super needed personally. Yeah. I think, I think James talks about this. Um so we'll cover it this summer, but in James 4, 1, which we love to talk about what causes fights and quarrels among you, mm-hmm. um, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you, you're, you desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain, you fight, you quarrel, and then he's like, and you don't have because you don't ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, well, no, I said my prayers. But like, hold on. What if you brought the same intensity to your prayer mm. that you brought to like your stress level and your anxiety and your job and mm-hmm. you know right. like just like what if you brought the same intensity that you did to that golf club <laughs> to your prayer closet <laughs> about this yeah. thing uh, yeah you know because that'll that's what's happening like yeah. you're just so mm-hmm. like you and well maybe i don't know how y'all do it in my house in my house right we just get into it and then yeah. I mean, like, with a lot of emotion and words and, you know, you're definitely try, trying to cross line, but, I mean, it's intense. Yeah. And then you pray, dear God, please be with my spouse. <laughs> and I think the Lord's yeah. like, hey, man, you're not even being serious right now. Right. Okay? Yeah. Just would you bring it to me? Mm. Which is why, I mean, the Psalms, man. Oof. I mean, David says, way before Jesus ever quotes this on the cross, David says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. And God's like, yeah, that's good, Dave. Write that one in the book. We're going to keep it forever. Jeremiah's like, you have tricked me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he doesn't get, God never gets mad at him. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll answer your prayers. Mm-hmm. We tend to talk about, I think, our stress and anxieties with other people or with our in our own minds way more mm-hmm. than we talk to God about them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, yeah, and it was Luther, I think, that was saying, Take it worrying is just turning instead of murmuring to other people or talking to other people. Put that to God. Throw your worry to God. Let God worry about it. But mm-hmm. it's basically taking all the murmuring, contemplating, and then making it prayer. So yeah. you're you're doing the same thing. You're just doing it to God versus versus your neighbor. Yeah, to someone who really can do something about it. Exactly. <laughs> and I think I mean David in the Psalms says, "Why are you downcast, my soul?" See, I don't know if this is true or not, but I used to when they would let me do counseling, I would do or whatever is <laughs> legally called when a pastor who is untrained, talks to people, and they don't pay them, you know, whatever that is. But I would be like, all right, there's a difference between, like, stress and anxiety. I need you to think about it this way. Stress, you can point to a thing that makes you feel all the feels you're talking about. Mm -hmm. That is oftentimes much easier to deal with Mm -hmm. because you're like, before you give a presentation, Mm -hmm. breathe and pray. Okay, 
Anxiety is like this stress, but you've got nowhere to put it. Right. Where do I put this? Mm-hmm. I think David's doing that in the book of mm-hmm. Psalms when he's like, he's looking at his soul and he's like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know, man. Mm-hmm. That, you better be bringing that to the Lord mm-hmm. because it's crazy. It's just, there's no magic potion here. Paul says, man, you 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 make your request known to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then there's this thing that, that, surpasses understanding mm-hmm. that is available. Yeah. Right. When you talk to God about your problems, yeah. you know, when you bring it all to him. Mm-hmm. Well, a long time ago, I was doing this young men's Bible study and we were kind of talking about this stuff and I was sharing with him, you know, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And uh, remember Barefoot Luke? Remember that guy? Yeah. And he would say, he says, I think I'm casting wrong. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, <laughs> I think I'm casting like a Bass rod and reel. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I throw it on him, but I reel it back in every time. It's like, I'll take this with me. And I'm like, that, that is an incredible word picture. Because mm-hmm. what we're supposed to do is like throw it and leave it. Mm-hmm. Not like let him see it for a minute, but then reel it back in and take it back home with right. us. Yeah. Can you think of a circumstance where you had unexplainable peace that surpasses understanding? I've seen it firsthand in ways. This past Monday, we hosted that benefit concert with Gary LaVox and our worship team mm-hmm. for C. Mart Ranch. <clears throat> My friend, Keith Kelly, it was his idea. Keith runs this D-Dot Ranch right down the road. He's partnered with C. Mart Ranch for a long time. And three years ago, he lost his 14-year-old son in a freak mm-hmm. car accident. And Keith was going to get on stage and tell the story of his son and their connection with Seamart Ranch is like a foster care Christian home place, right? And he wanted to do this whole benefit concert and tell the story of his son. And he's singing on the front row, Keith is, with his hands in the air, nothing, nothing compares to you. Hmm. And to watch... That dude and his wife, Tammy, now, of course they cry, mm-hmm. and of course they're sad. Yeah. But when I see, when, when I, like, he has decided these emotions are not going to terminate on me. If possible, I'm going to leverage the life and legacy of my son for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he will tell me, because I went over to see him. We did that on Monday, so I went to see him on Tuesday. And he was just like, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how I could stand on stage and tell the story and even make words come out of my mouth, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I, when he was saying, I don't understand how, mm-hmm. all I can think of is because you had a piece that transcends understanding. Mm-hmm. That's what that means. So I've seen that. I've seen people in unbelievable tragedy. Or Dr. Osher. Mm-hmm. This is a cancer doctor at our church who has cancer, and he's the kind of cancer doctor that is a researcher to prevent cancer. And he says, I thank my God for my life, for every day that he's given me, and I worship him because I'm here. You, you, he's like, I'm not afraid to die. I have concerns about what's going to happen to Matthew, his like 14-year-old son. Mm-hmm. But the, when he talks about it, yeah. Like, I, I just have not experienced that kind of pain and suffering. Mm. And I think oftentimes part of what anxiety is, you mentioned this on the three channels, we are, mm. we are presuming into the future what may or may not happen, and we're presuming the worst. Mm-hmm. 
Always. I think Jesus, I think that's why Jesus says, man, <laughs> don't worry about tomorrow. There's enough going on right now. And I also think it's what the Bible means when he says new mercies come every morning. He hasn't given you the mercies to deal with tomorrow. That's why it's freaking you out. Mm -hmm. So quit freaking out about it. Because mm -hmm. when you get to tomorrow, if you need the mercies to walk through cancer or the loss of a child, mm -hmm. he will be there with the new mercies to mm -hmm. give you everything you need to accomplish everything he has mm -hmm. called you to accomplish. It kind of makes me think of being a parent. You know, my kids are still kind of young, but when they when you bring them home from the hospital, you're thinking, I can never let them out of my sight, right? Or I can never think <laughs> totally. about sending them away overnight somewhere or like to college. Like you just can't think of, like you're not ready for it. But then when you get to that phase, you're like, God's prepared you. you I know? was worried about it for an entire year, crying, grief, all the things. Yeah. And people ask me now, and God has given me those mercies. He's given mm -hmm. me work. He's given me a great, a better relationship with him. He's given me all the things I need to do to walk out launching, mm -hmm. you know, my son. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's so true. And our son but we forget. is a rock star, too. He's brilliant. <laughs> He's at FSU. He's a great kid. As you're saying this, because I know you and I know your family, and um, it reminds me of what you said, like, if you would have gotten so bogged down in what you can't control right. and didn't do what you can't, but you did what you can control. You discipled him. You prayed for him. You loved him. You grew up this young man who's legit, and and then you were able to launch him. Yeah. Mm. And it's great because we were watching. Mm. <laughs> well, because we're, yeah. we're a year and a half behind. We're two years behind yeah. on that one, mm -hmm. you know? That's a part of this too, like let your reasonableness be be seen to everybody because every, we're watching, man. Mm -hmm. And yes. I know I'm the pastor and all this kind of stuff, but you know, I didn't have an 18 year old. You did, yeah. And so we're watching to see mm -hmm. how are we going to try to take those steps that we don't feel ready for mm -hmm. right now, but we don't have to feel ready for them right now because we're not there yet. Right. Right. Makes yeah. sense. Right. Yeah. That that distinction between stress and anxiety, stress being a particular thing you can just look at it, which it, it's kind of, the stress is kind of like the preparation or you're about to yeah. preach that stress yeah. versus anxiety, kind of that cloud sort of, that's very helpful because stress. I mean, I have to, especially, I have to just think a little stress is good in the sense of a weight. I mean, mm -hmm. like idle, I know idle men are not, are not typically good men. Correct. And so they need to have a little bit of that stress, a little bit of whether you call it stress or weight or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but the distinction, anxiety, that kind of that overall, mm -hmm. that's a, that's that's helpful. That's Stress really helpful. should really kind of get you focused and moving yeah. and well, active, and anxiety can paralyze you. Exactly. And keep you yeah. from doing what you can do and controlling what you can't control. Yeah, my daddy says that a, a young man is like a flatbed truck. He rides better with a full load. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's in Ecclesiastes. <laughs> yeah. My daddy has all these country sayings that sound like they should be like in. I keep telling you. Hey, I got up. Let me break. So he's, uh, when he was up at Biltmore preaching, he used uh, the PD River. Or yeah. Okay, first of all, every person in Dillon, South Carolina has has liked that on Facebook. No <laughs> lie, two million plus views on the Facebook deal about the PD River. Yeah. So I'm just the story yeah. about me and Daddy going fishing. Yeah, uh, man, it's two million people in Dillon. <laughs> no, no it's the Greater Dillon, the Greater Dillon area. <laughs> I keep telling him he needs the Perry Martin uh, coffee table book of just some quotes. Oh, but it makes sense. But yeah. it does. If you've ever driven a flatbed truck and there's nothing in the back and you're going down a dirt road, it'll like fishtail all over the place. Uh -huh. But you load that puppy down, and it'll drive. Yeah, it'll drive yeah. nice and smooth and yeah. straight. Uh, Pastor Bruce, any any stories? Come to mind for you about a piece that passes understanding. Yeah, um, you know the one that comes immediately to mind without going into big detail is just last year. It was 
doing I was I was charged to kind of head up this basically this deal to um God, what's the best word to say? To uh um, I'll just say it. The SBC The SBC Sexual Abuse Task Force. He ran so it. so okay. the I did the first year. I handed it off the second year. But it was basically there was a lot of opposition, a lot of guys that didn't want this stuff to come out, all that stuff. And I would say, first of all, it was awesome because in the sense of I could tell I'd never been so prayed for. Mm. Never. Been. I mean, my church always prays, but I'm talking about around the country. And, it, I mean, I would watch some of those psalms, those those ones that are the psalms you don't usually look at about, right. let that guy, let that stone come back. I mean, I, I, <laughs> seriously, I was in Zoom calls, and people were like, oh, that guy shouldn't talk. I'm like, let him talk, man. He's just going. And he'd talk, and, and before you know it, it's just he's 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 like, you're doing my job for me because you're looking right. like a fool. Right. Uh, saying stuff, you're like, you know, you just showed yourself to be a – racist and a Christian nationalist in two and a half minutes. How'd you do that? I mean, it's literally, I'm like, that's awesome. I say that to say probably the most was, you know, right before going up in front of a bunch of, I mean, you go up in front of 10,000 Southern Baptists and you know that part of the room doesn't want it to happen, but you, you, you'd been so, pra- you, first of all, I prayed more than I ever prayed because wow. you didn't know it was a wild card because you got 20 minutes you can control which is your part, and then it goes to the floor, and it's like a crazy family reunion. Mm-hmm. And you knew people lining up with microphones try to put it in the ditch. And so the stress was from what was riding on it. Yeah. So I guess it was a good, because yeah. it was important. And you're yeah. like, this is important. This really, I really want it to go a certain way, but you're, you're stressed. It wasn't, but it wasn't anxious. It was very, it was, it was like three Easter's rolled into one. I remember the last worship song, but it's like, boom, clarity and peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it went just like we prayed it would. And, and just, so that's what. And just for, we got a lot of eleven twenty tours that don't don't know a thing about the Southern Baptist Convention. No, no, it's great. Um, we like to keep it that way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Most of my people don't know where SBC is. Just... But um, <clears throat> I mean, you want to talk about a man of character and integrity? Hmm. Pastor Bruce led a task force in the Southern Baptist Convention to to fight for gospel justice Amen. because Amen. there was sexual abuse and lots of cover up. Mm. And gross things grow in the dark. Yeah. And Jesus does his work in the light. And and with a lot of I mean, oof, with a lot of opposition and a lot of mm. adversity. Mm-hmm. And he just did the right thing because it's never the wrong time to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so he led that team um to just bring that stuff to the light. Mm. And so good on you, man. Mm. Yeah. I'm I'm no I'm remembering the end of this passage and you know, thinking on what is honorable and commendable and just. And I mean, that just comes to mind. And, you know, I can speak for a lot of women and say thank you for your courage and your honor, your integrity to do that. That's It's a really, really big deal. I didn't realize who I was sitting with. So thank you. And he was actually... You were with me somewhere. We were together when it came out. Were you here? I was here. Yeah, I was. Wow. I was actually. Yeah, because we did the Thursday night, and then it went to. Uh, you had to push send to go to the all the newspapers around that were going to publish it on, and it actually went to the. They couldn't release it till Sunday at one o'clock, so. I remember I was finished here. It hit the newspapers at one. And then fortunately, I was on the plane back home when it was, you know, when you had people trying to get hold of you. But, I mean, God was super gracious. There was, as I said, prayers that you're watching it answer in front of you um, many, many times over. And um, anyway, met some great people uh, in the process. What an amazing promise. I mean, I love the way that 
he talks about the peace of God will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And then as he's talking about the things that you replace or the things that you dwell on, the fighting for justice, the fighting for what is excellent, what is lovely, what is worthy of praise. He then says, and the, if you practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just like God's like, hey, here's some peace. Take that with you and just go have a great day, whatever. No, no, he's like, no, I'm gonna, I'm actually mm-hmm. going to go with you. I love how you said you can't have the peace of God until you have peace with God. Yes. Like if you're not reconciled to him, right. then you're going to never experience it, experience that transcendent peace that surpasses all understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's always the gift, it seems, in the scriptures. We get more of him. That's always Amen. the blessing. When we do what he asks us to do, we get more of him. Mm-hmm. And he is the peace that we get. And mm-hmm. that is such a, a great promise mm-hmm. that we forget a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a good yeah, reminder. He's not, like, he's, not, he's not the pharmacist, you know, putting some peace in there and giving it to you. He just gives you himself, right. you know, more. That's the abundant life. That's yep. it. And and if if tonight's an any indication, then we need to pray for our people that they would experience the peace of God and the God of peace. So, Pastor Joby, why don't you close us with a, a prayer for that? Let's pray. <clears throat> our good and gracious Heavenly Father, God, we, we just need you. We were yes. created for you. We were created for your presence. Like Rebecca said, when the very first man opened his eyes, he was face-to-face with you. You are what we need. That um, that peace is found in a person, not a set of circumstances, mm-hmm. and his name is Jesus. And so, God, may we just know you. So, so God, would you even take what the enemy intends to use for evil, mm-hmm. like throwing darts at us and lies at us and trying to ramp up our anxiety or our stress to get us worried about all of these situations in our life, and would you take what he intends for evil, and would you... Use those very things to just draw us to you and use his plans to thwart him that we may know you better and walk in peace with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. <laughs> the end. You nailed it.